And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at news headlines here today, we saw on Friday afternoon the cattle on feed report out for the month of April, with April 1st cattle on feed down 4%. As we saw cattle and calves on feed totaling 11.6 million head, the inventory was 4% below April 1st of last year. The inventory included 7.12 million steers and steer calves, down 6% for the previous year, and the group accounted for 61% of the total inventory. Heifers and heifer calves accounted for 4.50 million head, down 2% from 2022. Now, placements at feedlots during March totaled 1.99 million head, 1% below 2022. Marketings of fed cattle during March totaled 1.98 million head, 1% below 2022. And other disappearance totaled 53,000 head during March, unchanged from 2022. Now, however, these numbers coming in a bit on the bearish side, above what many in the trade had expected. The on-feed numbers were expected to be 94.8%, as well as placements expected to be 94.9%, coming in at 99%. And marketings were slightly higher than the average estimate which was 98.8%. So definitely going to be watching the cattle markets here as we work through this week just to keep an eye on how the trade reacts to the news of a slightly bearish cattle on feed report from this past Friday. While the U.S. winter wheat crop condition continues to be historically low, Mike Schulte, marketing director for the Oklahoma Wheat Commission, says the rest of the world might want to take note of how dry it is in the southern United States. You know, I don't know that the rest of the world is just taking into account how bad it is in the southern plains of the United States. I'm hoping at some point in time that the market is going to react to some of that. But if you just look at the Oklahoma crop progress numbers from this week, 53% of the crop very poor to poor, 34% fair, 12% good with 1% excellent. Last year, we were at least in that 25 to 23% in that good to excellent range. And then if you look at the Kansas crop progress numbers, they're even worse. So 60% of Kansas in poor to very poor conditions, 26% fair, 13% good, 1% excellent. He says following the drought monitor is all the explanation needed for the wheat crop's rough shape. You can just see uh, when you look at the drought monitor overall in those areas that are in exceptional drought and extreme drought, you can certainly see why things are not favorable just looking at northwest Oklahoma and the panhandle regions where we have the majority of our top wheat producing counties. And then if you look in central and southwest Kansas, Kansas and western Kansas as well on drought monitor you see that 60% of that area is facing drought with a large portion of that also being an exceptional and extreme drought. And Schulte offers some historical context on the drought. Unlike anything that I have ever seen in my tenure at the Oklahoma Wheat Commission, I was talking to a producer today in western Oklahoma who's 71 years of age, and he said even in his experience, he's never experienced anything like this from the standpoint of just extreme lack of moisture, the extreme high winds, and now the extreme hot temperatures that are coming earlier. And so for that reason, I think the verdict is still going to be out there. There still is that 13%, maybe that is considered good to excellent in the state, but I think the verdict is still going to be out on that in the next five to six days if we don't get moisture, if we're even going to be able to cut that. So it's certainly a really concerning time for us and our wheat producers. Again, that's Mike Schulte of the Oklahoma Wheat Commission. Well, the last thing the farmers need when they're coming into the spring planting season is a slowdown in the field. Kyle Parker is a district manager for CHS Lubricants. He says farmers don't want to find themselves stuck in the field and needing help. Parker recommends a more proactive approach in getting equipment ready for the planting season. 
Some farms have multiple operators, equipment, and are more spread out, but running all at the same time. Yeah, this is a common scenario, and it can be challenging when you have multiple pieces of equipment running simultaneously in different geographies. But it comes back to verify that you're using the right lubricant first on every piece of equipment, and then to make sure every operator understands that. Secondly, having adequate storage and easy access to those lubricants make it easier for everyone during the busy season and really can help minimize mistakes like putting the wrong lubricant in a component. It's important to not cut quarters when it comes to the grease, lubricants, and oils that you'll be relying on this spring planting season and even into the growing and harvest seasons. On grease, for example, we always would refer to the OEM specifications that that OEM recommends. For example, the OEM may recommend using a grease that meets the NLGI, LB, and GC specification. Well, what do those acronyms mean? NLGI stands for the National Lubricating Grease Institute, and quality greases have an NLGI, GC, and LB designation, which means that the grease is suitable for use in wheel bearings or chassis. Parker provides insight into how the lubricant supply chain is affecting availability for farmers. You know, like everything else, the lubricant supply has faced some challenges the last couple of years. However, the overall supply chain is much better than it was in 2020. For example, base oils, which make up 80 to 90 percent of a finished lubricant, are in very good supply in the United States right now. And as a result, some lubricant companies have announced a price decrease for their finished lubricants. On the other hand, the grease supply chain is still seeing the effects of the COVID pandemic and other challenges in manufacturing. The best recommendation is to work with your local lubricant dealer to keep them informed of your lubricant and grease needs and always plan ahead. And Parker provides some tips that farmers can use during spring planting to be best prepared. You know, having a good maintenance plan and sticking to it is always a good place to start. A good maintenance plan can help the producer stay on schedule with the oil changes and the oil sampling that they may need to do. By taking routine oil samples, you can help minimize catastrophic failure before it occurs. As always, you can reach out to your local lubricant dealer for more information. Always make sure you have adequate supply at the farm, in your shops, or in your mobile storage systems, and just communicate that with your dealer so that they make sure they have what you need when you need it. And once again, that is Kyle Parker of CHS. Well, the process of writing the 2023 Farm Bill has a lot of people talking about their priorities for the new legislation. That's what many ag groups are doing right now, including the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Chuck Connor is president of the NCFC. Well, we would like to see the Farm Bill get it done at a reasonable time. We do need a Farm Bill done on time. It's got to be a good Farm Bill. And a couple of things that we note in terms of a good Farm Bill is we would like to see a strong conservation title in that bill. We are the intermediaries, if you will, between what the farmers producing oftentimes and those retail buyers of farm products, the grocery stores, that kind of thing. And the pressure that's being pushed down from the retail level on particularly climate and sustainability issues has really been intense the last few years. And we feel like the conservation title of the Farm Bill gives us the opportunity to give some farmers some additional tools that are going to help him and her meet those environmental challenges going forward in a way that is not going to take money out of their pocket, but in the case of Title II of the Farm Bill, maybe give them a chance to make a little bit more money, and that's always a good thing. And Connor's group represents about 2,000 local farmer cooperatives around the country. Again, that is National Council of Farmer Cooperatives President Chuck Connor. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.